Well, today is a standalone message titled, Stuck in a Drought. And of course, we know the story, right? Back in March, on March 13th, President Trump, he declared the coronavirus a national emergency, which kind of sent our nation into a kind of a lockdown. And I think like many others, I'm just talking for myself, I was hoping that this would be cleared up and passed us in about two to three months. Obviously, I was wrong. And it appears that life with COVID, it's just going to be a common theme now for many more months to come. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I'm not going to lie. I am frustrated by this. It just continues to frustrate me. I I feel the tension that continues to surround this thing because it's so unknown. It's so unclear. And it feels like we are stuck in a drought. We don't know when this thing is going to end. We don't know how long it's going to last. And it's just draining. And I'm going to tell you, and I don't know if you can relate to this, it has affected me physically, it's affected me emotionally, and it's affected me spiritually. And I feel just dried up sometimes. Can anyone relate to this? Yeah, okay, that was a resounding yes. All right, and can you relate to this online? Yes, I'm with you, I'm with you. Well, now for the part that I think most people don't like to hear. And this is the objective part. And it's maybe... And I bet we've all wondered this. Maybe we're in this drought for a reason. And listen, we can debate all day long the opinions that are out there regarding why it's here. And and listen, you won't be telling me anything new because I've heard everything. I've heard this is a punishment. Okay, God is punishing. I've heard this is a wake-up call. I've heard that. I've heard this is a pure this is a purifying time where we should be getting back to what's important. I've heard that. I've heard people say we're living in the end times. I've heard just about everything. My point today is not to stand here and tell you, well, this is what is what I think it is. I don't know why we're in the middle of this still. I really don't. All I can tell you is this, two things. Number one, it's here. <laughs> Duh. And number two, God has allowed it to happen for some reason. I'm not going to speculate on why, but I want to get maybe to the what. And so here's the question that I want to wrestle with today. What are we supposed to do with this as we continue on through this drought? It hasn't gone away. So what do we do with the fact that we are stuck in this season and there doesn't seem to be an ending in sight? How should we conduct ourselves while we're trying to get through this? What should we do while we wait? I think that's a great question to ask. Now, let me be clear that this feels like, you know, in a, in a drought, you know, for Americans, but droughts come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. And I bet we could all share stories about dry times in our lives. I remember one particularly really hard season in my life, and I would call it a drought, was in college. Uh, my parents were, uh, they finalized their separation and their divorce, actually my sophomore year in college. I remember getting a call to come home and help my dad move out of the house. It was the most awkward, painful, tough season of my life. And for the months that followed that, I questioned everything. I questioned, why am I here? I questioned, what what am I supposed to do with this? I questioned my feelings, my emotions, and I just, you know what I felt like? I felt like when you take a sponge and you put it out in the sunlight, and you leave it out in the sunlight for like three days, and then you pick it up, and it's just bone dry. That's what I felt like. I felt like that dried out 
sponge. I was so thirsty. That was a drought for me. And I had to figure out how to get through it. Well, if you're feeling kind of that same feeling, maybe that same tension in your life today, perhaps from this pandemic, or I don't know, maybe you're facing a completely different type of drought that I'm not even aware of. I want you to know this. You're not alone. You're not alone. In fact, we have examples of people in the Bible who had to weather all types of drought. And we can learn from their experiences today. So today, I want to show you, based on the life of a dude named Elijah, how we can conduct ourselves during this drought. I want you to see. I want you to see that we can see that there's still hope in the midst of this drought, whatever you're going through. And there's even opportunity for us, if you can believe it or not, to grow in the middle of this. So Elijah bursts onto the scene in 1 Kings 17. It's the first time that he's mentioned. We'd have no word of him until Elijah 17 hits. And he's called by God to go and talk to this dude named Ahab, King Ahab. And Elijah's supposed to deliver a message that there's going to be a drought on the land for several years. Now we do know that it is actually a punishment. It's the outcome of King Ahab's failure to obey God. Now, this is a literal drought that comes on the land that's going to take place. Now, because God knows that Ahab is going to hate Elijah's guts for delivering this message, God says, okay, Elijah, deliver the message, and then we're going to get you out of town, okay? And so Elijah skips town, and he kind of camps and lands at a place at a brook called Kareth, okay? He's hanging out at this brook. And we're going to pick up the story with Elijah sitting by this brook, okay, And what's happening is he's watching the final trickles of water disappear. Okay, this literal drought, this literal drought that's affecting the land is now going to start taking a toll on him personally as well. Now, like us today, I can imagine Elijah sitting there as the last trickles of water disappear going, okay, now what? What do I do with this? What am I supposed to do now, God? How are you going to take care of me through this? I can imagine Elijah wrestling with that. Here's what it says in verses 8 and 9. Let's pick it up. The Lord said to Elijah, Go to Zarephath and Sidon and stay there. There's a widow there that I commanded to take care of you. God's telling Elijah, I'm going to take care of you through this drought, this drought but you're going to have to trust me. So get up. Go to Zarephath. Now, we don't know exactly how long Elijah had been staying at this brook, this Kareth brook, but it was probably somewhere around two years. That's what scholars think. Two years he's been hanging out there. Now, picture this. His meals have been catered to him daily by what I would call meals on wings. It's food that's flown to him by ravens. Okay, now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't necessarily sound super appealing to me. Not what I would call gourmet, but it worked. It worked. God took care of him during this tough time. But I imagine that he got kind of used to it. All of his enemies were far away. He's camped out. He's kind of chilling out, right? He's, you know what the bottom line was? I think Elijah got comfortable. He, he got, hey, this isn't so bad. I'm, out, I'm outdoors. I got, I, got a, I got a water stream. I got my meals catered to me. All my enemies are far away. He was comfortable. And many times... That is the biggest obstacle to what God might have planned for our lives. Our own comfort level. It can get in the way. If you're like me, you probably found yourself saying or thinking this. Why why can't we go back to the way it was? 
Why can't we go back to life like it was before COVID? Do you know why I always say that and kind of wrestle with that? Because it was comfortable. <laughs> it was. I knew what, was, what to expect day in and day out. My days were planned. They were set up. I knew it was going to come. So what does God do to us sometimes, like he did to Elijah? God has to push us to leave our comfort. And that's kind of the first point. Is And this isn't anything new to you, right? Sometimes we've got to leave your comfort. We've got to leave our comfort. Now, what makes us so difficult today is that we didn't get to willingly choose to move out of our comfort. It was kind of pushed upon. You know what? It's like we didn't get to go over to the pool and dip our toe in. Right, and kind of feel it, like, do I feel like jumping in? We didn't get to do that. It felt like we just were looking over the edge of the pool and someone went, ha, push, deep end. That's what it feels like, really. Throughout this whole pandemic so far, what have we had to do? We've had to leave our comfort to a degree. And it, let's just be honest, it has been hard for everyone on some level. I like what Pastor Tyler said last week as he was closing the Beatitudes series. He said this, he said, you know what? Your hard might not be the same as someone else's hard, but it's still hard for you nonetheless. It still brings a level of discomfort for each of us. Now, again, I'm speculating, but perhaps we're in a drought because God is stretching us to leave our comfort because he's got a plan. He's got a plan. I find comfort in what Paul said in Romans. He said this, and we think, we think God causes everything. No, that's not what it says. He says, no, 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 we know. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's a proclamation. That's a promise. Now, because we're kind of pushed into this season of drought, I, I tried to think of what's a great picture. And I, 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 you're going to laugh at me, and it's just because I love nature, but I'm, I pictured wood ducks. Are you familiar with wood ducks? Okay, wood ducks build their nests high up in a tree, sometimes in wood boxes, but the point is they're high up. And there comes a point where the babies have to leave their comfort. So I thought, we need some cute factors, so I want you to watch this video clip here. Check this out. Their mother's not far away. And her calls are the only thing that could entice them to abandon their cozy nest. Barely a day old, they can't fly up to the entrance. So instead, they climb. Equipped with strong claws just for this purpose. When they reach the opening, their first view of the outside world must come as quite a shock. It's a five-story drop. But somewhere down below, their mom is urging them to leave the only home they know so they can live the life they were born for. And that persuades them to do something that seems a little crazy. 
Some ducklings aren't as bold as others. And he who hesitates gets a push. Finally, driven by instinct and joined to one another by an inseparable bond, they all take the plunge. feel like they're just falling right now and they haven't hit bottom yet that's what it feels like like again push ah, and we're just we're just falling and, and that's what it can feel like in the middle of the drought but here's the thing in order for those wood ducklings to grow they had to be forced from their comfort so did elijah God had to push Elijah out of his comfort. And do you know what God was actually preparing to do through Elijah that Elijah was not aware of yet? I love this. God had to make him uncomfortable, get him out of his comfort zone to set up one of the greatest showdowns in history, which actually takes place in 1 Kings 18, the next chapter. It's the, it's the story of Elijah versus all the prophets of Baal. And God shows up and does this just this amazing display of power. But in order to set that up, he had to push Elijah out of his comfort. He had to get Elijah to the place to use Elijah for that confrontation. Is it possible that we need to leave our comfort because God wants to do something grand in your life? Or maybe your family, maybe in your community. I have no idea. But God's always working behind the scenes. See, sometimes, and they know this sounds morbid, sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is for God to allow the brook to dry up in our lives. Because many times what happens, we've become complacent until we realize that maybe there's a problem. Friends, God uses droughts to get our attention. It makes us dependent on him. Now, the second instruction that God gives Elijah, it's a little more implied than spoken, but it's just as real. And I know you're going to be able to relate to this. When we're pushed out of our comfort, something happens, and I know that I know you can feel this. Fear sets in. That fear sets in. And, and I've talked to so many people that are afraid right now. Maybe it's not outright fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's worry. Maybe your question, how is God going to take care of me? Am I going to be okay? Is this all going to pan out? But God speaks to these things as well. Look at what he says to Elijah. Sometimes you've got to leave your comfort, and to get through the drought, you need to face your fear. You do. And I know that sounds trite, okay? Face your fear. But let me show you Elijah's situation here. Look at verse 8 and 9 again. Then, then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to Zarephath in Sidon, 
Now, when God said to Elijah, go to Zarephath and sign on, fear must have gripped his heart. Now, if you don't know Elijah's whole story, there's this crazy psycho woman, sorry, named Jezebel, who hates his guts. She just happens to be Ahab, the guy that he originally talked to, Ahab's wife. And she's out to kill him. Her father, her dad, just happens to be the king of Sidon, where God just told Elijah to go back to. It's like, Elijah, I want you to go back to Jezebel's backyard. It's like putting your hand in a snake pit and wondering if you're about to get bitten. That's what God has just asked him to do. Now, on top of that, Zarephath was 90 miles away. That means a long walk across open and unprotected land by a wanted man when there are search parties looking for you. You talk about facing your fear. This is, what, this is Elijah's situation. Listen, I know it's scary. I know it can be terrifying when we think about and, and we can let our fears and the worries overwhelm us, especially during these days filled with COVID. But, but let me show you some encouraging things here. I want you to be encouraged this morning about God when we have to face a fear. We're in the middle of that when we're going through this drought. When, we, when that change, it just overwhelms you. You don't know what to do. Let me just give you some words of encouragement. First is this. When you're in the middle of this fear, just know that God knows where you are. God knows where you are. God didn't lose you, okay? God didn't misplace you on accident. He didn't misplace us. He knows exactly where you are at all times. But this is easy to forget, and we can feel like God has forgotten us. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God has not forgotten you. God knows exactly where you are. And I find comfort in what God says to his kids, his children. He says to us in Isaiah 41, he says this. Hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged for, guess what? I'm your God. I still am. I'm still in control. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. I've had days where I'm just like, man, I need something to lean on. God says, I got you. I got you. I love this next part. For I hold you by your right hand. You know when I had that picture? I have that picture of that little toddler that reaches up for daddy's hand. And that hand is there. That's the picture I have. I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God. I say, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. That's our God. God knows where you are, and he hasn't let go. Well, God not only told Elijah where he was, but here's the second word of encouragement I want you to hear is that God knew where Elijah was going. And guess what? God knows where you're going. He's got a plan. He knows where you're going. I don't know what God has in store for our future because I can't see it, and I know you can't see it, but God does. God knows where you're going. And I often, I often play this game with myself, like, man, it'd be just so nice to, like, see a year out, you know, right? Just like, if, could I just know it's coming in, like, a year? But then I really thought about that for a minute, and, and I was like, well, wait a minute. And if I think objectively about that, I don't think I'd actually like that. Do you know why? Because I'd be a nervous wreck. I would be scared all the time just waiting for things to happen. I would. I would never sleep. I wouldn't. That's why, what did he do? He, he led Elijah one step at a time. And that's why he leads us, what? Through this drought, one step 
and it doesn't feel like it's day in, day out. It changes all the time. One step at a time. God knows where you're going. So here's God. He says, Elijah, get up. Okay, I'm up. I want you to go. Okay, where are we going? You're going to Zarephath. Uh, that's a little scary. Okay, those are the people that hate my guts, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And then the other shoe drops. Now imagine this. Verse 9. Go to Zarephath in Sidon and what? Stay there. Whoa, what? Time out. God, stay there? But that's what I believe. That's what I believe. Like fear probably gripped Elijah's heart. He's like, wait a minute. Can't I just go and then come back, God? No, 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 no. Stay there. You want me to stay there in Jezebel's backyard in the danger zone when people are looking for me. Stay there. Yep. Now, if you're like me, I think most of us, we're willing to go through a small period of testing. Maybe an hour, maybe two, if I'm honest. Maybe a day at the most. I can handle that. But stay there? Now, when I think about this drought that we're in, doesn't it kind of feel like God has said, here, I'm going to put you through this, want you to stay there. And God is having us stay there right now. I want you to stay there for a while. But again, we got to remember, friends, God knows where you are. God knows where you're going. And here's the coolest part of all, and I believe this, God will provide. He'll provide. Look at verse 9 again. Go to Seraphath and Sidon and stay there not done yet. There's a widow there that I have commanded to what? Take care of you. Did you catch that? God not only prepared a place for Elijah, but he prepared provision for Elijah. I love that. That's our God. God had already talked to this widow about meeting Elijah's needs So when he got, for when he got to town. All he had to do was find her. Now, if you know anything about widows in that day, you know, it'd be like going up to a lady who's barely making it on her monthly disability check and saying, excuse me, miss, how about providing me with three hot meals and a bed for the next year and a half? Now, it just doesn't seem right, does it? Now, if God told me, Josh, I want you to move to Chicago and don't worry, okay, I'm gonna take care of everything. I'm gonna find a person to give you a bed and take care of your meals. Do you know what I would do? I'd probably start looking for someone driving a Mercedes. I just would. I'd think the Lord would at least set me up with someone with money. But here's the thing. God doesn't always work that way, does he? Many times the people, uh, uh, but here's the thing. God doesn't always do that. Many times the people who have the most give the least. It's a proven fact that when it comes to charitable giving, I hate to say this, the rich usually are not described as generous. So what's my point? The point is this. Don't look in the obvious places for God's provision when you're in a drought. Many times he provides for us in ways that we would never imagine. That's how creative our God is. God took care of Elijah through the drought. Listen, I believe he's going to take care of you as well, no matter where you're at. Replace that fear with faith that God already knows where you are, where you're going. And just like he spoke to this widow ahead of time, God has a plan to take care of you through the drought, that whatever drought that you're facing. But like I said, it might not necessarily be in the way that you think. 
and it might require something of you. And the next thing that I learned from Elijah, and now also from this widow, is that, hey, when we're going through this drought, you know what I think it's a call for us to do? I think it's a call for us to humble ourselves. I do. I think it's a call for us to slow down and say, wow, I really need God right now. And to humble our spirits. Look at what it says in verse 10. Elijah went to Zarephath. He went to the town gate and he saw a woman there gathering wood for a fire. She was a widow. Elijah said to her, hey, would you bring me a small cup of water to drink? And as she was going to get the water, Elijah said, hey, and bring me a piece of bread too, please. Now imagine you stumble into Zarephath, you're a foreigner, you're wanted, you've just walked over 90 miles of desert, and you're really thirsty, and you're really hungry. So you sit down, you notice a widow gathering sticks, and you go, hmm, I wonder if that's the widow that God told me about. Excuse me, ma'am, could you spare a glass of water? And while you're at it, maybe a piece of bread? Can I just tell you, Elijah had no idea what he was getting himself into here. He didn't, he had no idea. Because when he added that phrase, by the way, could you throw in a piece of bread? Something snapped in this poor woman. Something just snapped all the pressure, all the frustration of trying to make ends meet. They just came pouring out. Can anybody relate to that? Just that buildup of pressure. This poor woman. Here's what the, here's what the woman said back in verse 12. The woman said, I promise you, before the Lord your God that I have nothing but a handful of flour in a jar and a little bit of olive oil in a jug. I came here to gather a few pieces of wood for a fire to cook our last meal. My son and I will eat it and then die from hunger. This poor woman. I just, you know what I imagined? When I, picture, I picture her sobbing. I really do. She's just broken and she's sobbing. She's like, I don't have any bread. In fact, all I got is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and the reason I'm here is to pick up these sticks so I can make a meal and die. Now, if I was Elijah, I would have been like, whoa, sorry I asked. <laughs> poor Elijah, this poor woman. But Elijah wasn't intimidated. You see, he knew enough about God that this must be the woman he sent him to. And here's what Elijah knew that we need to learn as well. You can't get a blessing without being a blessing. Can I say that again? And this is a lesson I learned sometimes. You can't get a blessing without being a blessing. Now, here's what I mean by that. You see, the very person who was supposed to be providing for, for, for him, God is now gonna ask Elijah to provide for her. Now, follow me on this. It took some humility on Elijah's part, number one, to ask a widow of all people for bread and water then to realize, wait a minute, God actually wants him to provide something for her now. But that's the way it works in God's economy. This is so cool. God makes sure that both the giver and the receiver eventually switch positions. The receiver becomes the giver and the giver becomes the receiver. You can't be a receiver unless you're willing to be a giver someday. In the same way, you can't be a giver unless at some point you're willing to put your pride aside and become a receiver. And the coolest thing about God, he's the perfect matchmaker. He is. Somehow he puts people together who, guess what, need each other. Have you ever had that moment in your life where God brought someone in your life and, well, you are a godsend because he's the perfect matchmaker. They help each other out 
through one another's personal droughts. This widow and Elijah needed each other. Elijah needed what? Food and shelter. And you know what this woman needed that now Elijah could provide? Faith. Faith. This woman had food, but guess what? It wasn't going to last very long without Elijah's faith. And it required humility, humbling yourself on both parties for God to take care of both parties. And this brings me to my final point. And this is a hard one. That when we're going through a drought, I think maybe God is calling us to lend what you have to God. Be willing to hold things loosely and give back to God. Here's, here's what Elijah says to the woman in verse 13. Look at what, look at what he said. Hey, don't worry. I need to calm down, calm down. Don't worry. Go home, cook your food as you said. But first make a small piece of bread from the flour that you have and bring it to me. Then cook some for yourself and your son. Now, doesn't that sound, I'm going to be honest. When I read that, I'm like, how selfish is that? It really does feel selfish. But here's Elijah asking his poor widow to go and make a cake for himself first and then one for her and her boy. But, but what we don't understand is that Elijah's standing in front of this woman as what? God's representative and telling her to put God first. And in the same way, I think God asks us to put him first in every area of our life, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. It's the same principle that Jesus carried out in, in Matthew six thirty three. What did he say? He said, hey, you know what you should do? You should seek the kingdom of God above all else. Put it first. Live righteously, and what? He will give you everything you need. What I love about the Bible is in miracle after miracle, God obligated an individual or a group to take some steps of action, to take some form of movement before a need was met. Think about it. In the story of the parting of the Red Sea, Moses had to stretch out his arms in action in order for the waters to part. Before the walls of Jericho fell, what did the people have to do? They had to walk around the city seven times. In 2 Kings, there's a guy named Naaman who has leprosy. And what did Elijah ask him to do? He says, you got to go take a bath seven times in the Jordan River. Jesus even required a blind man to take some action. He put mud on the guy's eyes and said, I want you to go and wash it out in the pool. Why does God require these actions from us? To embarrass us? No. To get a good laugh? No. He requires us to take action so that we participate in our steps of faith in the solution to the challenges we face. Believe it or not, and this is hard for us sometimes, God's never going to solve your problems until he gets your commitment of faith, your involvement in the problem. We've got a part to play too. We think of what the widow had to give, right? But we forget that Elijah had to give something too. What did he have to give? He was in the same boat as this woman. He was out of food and water, but he gave this woman hope and faith. You know, just dwelling on that point, I think if we're willing to, if, we're, if you'll learn to, during this drought to help give 
when you're helpless and give hope when you feel hopeless or give faith when you feel faithless. I just, I believe God is gonna give you an inexhaustible supply of those three things. I do, I've seen it. If you wanna make a difference in people's lives, like Elijah made in this woman's, we have to be willing to hold things lightly and give out of our need, help one another. Now, because this widow gave out of her need, here's the crazy thing. God met her in the kitchen three times a day. Here's what happens. Check out verse 14. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again, until you get out of this drought. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Three times a day, she, she looked in the flour container and found flour. Three times a day, she looked in the jar and found oil. Now, I can almost picture her standing in the kitchen, kneading, kneading the dough and singing, praise God from whom all biscuits flow. That's a really bad joke, I'm sorry. But I picture that. Now friends, this doesn't mean that she had everything she wanted. She wasn't eating a prime cut of steak every day, but she did have everything she needed. And I think this is so cool. We see this miracle replicated hundreds of years later. What happened? Jesus has got this huge crowd and they're all hungry. And this little boy with all he has, this little lunch, he gives it to God. He lends it to God. And what does God do with that? He cares for the needs of others. Same miracle. What's the point? Be willing to hold things loosely and lend what you have to God, even in the midst of a drought. The widow wasn't asked to give something that she didn't have, but she was willing to give what she did have. No matter how insignificant it seems, God asks us to share. Never underestimate what God can do through ordinary people and limited resource when it's given to him in faith. Listen, God isn't looking for ability. I think right now he's looking for availability. And if you'll concentrate right now in the middle of this drought of saying, God, I will be available. I believe he's gonna get you through this. And I believe he's gonna take care of you through this. Elijah's story shows me that. Friends, we serve the same God today from Adam through Elijah to us. He hasn't changed. So before you despair, before you give into that anxiety more, man, whatever drought you're going through, here's what I would ask. Take inventory not of what you've lost, because I go there, I do. You know, take inventory of what you have left and say, thanks, God. Be willing to give time, energy, resources out of our need. He won't do what you can for yourself, what you can do for yourself, but you know what? He will pick up where our human limitations end. 
So friends, I, from the bottom of my heart, I mean this, I, I wanna encourage you, have faith, hang in there in the middle of this drought. Cling <laughs> to your dad's hand, because he's got you, and believe that he's gonna bring you through this drought. Keep your focus on him. He's not gonna let you down. Let me pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I believe there are people here watching online or even here in this room who just need a little bit of courage and hope. And I would ask that you give it to them. I'm gonna ask that your Holy Spirit would come and fill us up, even right now as we pray. For those that are wrestling, those that are struggling, speak to them and give them courage, give them confidence that you know where they are, you haven't lost them, you know where they're going and that you will provide. God, help us to follow. Help us to follow you. Help us to depend on you for as long as this drought is gonna last. God, we still love you. And even though it's hard sometimes, we still trust you. Help us endure in the midst of these hard times. I'm gonna ask and I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said,